He's the Shay. He's the Shay. <laughs> he is the Shay of Google. Oh, I don't get it. Thank you for tuning in to I Don't Get It. This is a podcast about performances in Edmonton. My name is Fonda and my co-host Paul is still working all month long on the Wildfire Festival, which is um, an improv festival for teens and high school kids. Um, And I think younger kids too. But uh, anyway, that is where Paul is. So I've got some other guests lined up to to help me review the shows we saw this week. Uh, We will start off with Dear Evan Hansen, which was wonderful. Um, And Shakespeare's Dog, which is being done uh, at the Tim Center for the Arts uh, by the U of A Studio Theater. And um, our good friend Colleen joined us for um, for that, uh, in particular for Dear Evan Hansen. And then I talked to her also about Shakespeare's Dog. So we will go to that now. Hi, Colleen. Hi, Fonda. How are you today? delighted to be here again yes and well you've had a you've had a day to recover from dear evan hansen indeed i have (laughs) so um maybe start by uh setting us up a little bit what is what is the synopsis um uh or the premise of dear evan hansen so dear evan hansen is um sort of a, a newer popular musical that sort of hit the stage uh the book by stephen levinson music and lyrics by uh oh dear i'm gonna butcher this benj pasnick and justin paul pasick excuse me and justin paul um so so from just the pop culture i've like i don't know i've seen this this particular musical pop up all around and people are loving it um it originally starred ben platt on broadway who i just personally i'm a big fan of he's got a really beautiful voice and a really unique vocalized vocal style excuse me but anyway i I did youtube him after you told me about it and then i was like oh wow (laughs) i know right he's pretty good anyway um so the music so the the musical is called dear and evan hansen and it's somewhat timely in the sense that it's sort of about uh, i guess millennials and uh there's a, a boy who or a young man that sort of opens the show and his name is evan hansen and he's a bit lonely and a little depressed and all that kind of stuff and he writes a letter to himself that ends up in the pocket of another boy who's committed suicide and it's misunderstood that um uh that the note in the pocket is a is a letter to evan hansen from the boy who killed himself and so everybody thinks now that they were had this friendship and in order to get some attention, Evan kind of rolls with it. Yeah, because Evan is, um, you know, he's he's really insecure. Um, you know, he had, I feel that the actor who played him had really great mannerisms. He was sort of like constantly wiping sweat from his brow and just like um, in those sort of like nervous twiddling with his feet. Uh, really sort of kind of, I don't know, as... I wasn't like the cool kid in high school, I guess, but like, but as like, you know, as as, as someone who feels like awkward often in their own skin, I, I think that, you know, he really endeared himself to the audience right away. Oh, absolutely. Like, you're just like, oh, I remember those moments in my life. Yeah, it's sort of like he's the classic kind of nerd with some, but we learn more about the nerd as we go along. Yeah. And so, um, 
Evan, as as the story progresses, the the parents of the boy who's killed themselves. So, so the boy, the boy um, who has um, uh, uh, died by suicide, his name is Connor, um, Connor Murphy. And so uh, the Murphys approach Evan after they find this letter with Connor and they say, were you his friend? And Evan starts making up all these like beautiful songs about the time they spent together <laughs> um i will point out that um evan hansen in this uh, production was played by stephen christopher anthony and uh and i actually connor comes back as not really a ghost but sort of like evan hansen's manifestation of what connor would be saying to him if he really if he really knew the situation um and i thought that the um the performer who played connor was also really great uh his name was uh, Noah Kaiserman. I have to say, actually, I don't think there was a weak link in the cast. Everyone was, everyone did a really great job, and I, um, and I, and I thought it was interesting. Like the cast is made up of so there's Evan Hansen, and the, so the two primary primary families in the in the cast are are white families, but they also have a black girl who's in the same class as as Evan, and she's and I. I actually sort of identified with her because she comes in and she's like, hi, I'm the president of 18 organizations and I spent my summer interning and I'm just like that overachiever, but also super nervous. And like, I don't have any friends. I only have acquaintances. Sorry. I I, I feel like I have real friends in my life. I'm not, this is not a cry for help, but (laughs) well, the the whole play though reminds you of those moments in your life when you wanted to cry for help though. Yeah, a little bit. And actually what struck me right off the the top is that you've got Evan Hamm and then and then Connor and there's these two families and then there's the parents of the two families that are struggling with their sons who are not thriving I would say is a fair way to put it and so immediately I guess um yeah you just sort of go to these families and that they're sort of in these tough spots so yeah and I will point out that the role that you mentioned Alana Alana Beck um is the only person of color in the show um it's it is a pretty white show otherwise i'll just point that out um but the um the design of the show is really interesting because it does feel like a very contemporary high school the 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 visuals that you get are all sorts of like different levels and sizes of scrims and it shows it shows social media feeds but it also shows projections from the dear evan hansen letter they show um you know all kind of just like all manner of um different um visuals on these and it really helps to kind of create a world with texture and light um and movement and even though there's a you know the cast is really like eight people uh and and it's it, it just seemed full the stage seemed full all the time absolutely and and, the, and i mean i sort of knew going in i didn't know a ton about the musical but and i knew a couple of the songs but i knew going in that it was about teen suicide and i and the, the first thing i thought when i saw all those screens go up before the show really started was oh my god this is going to be about cyberbullying and that all this social media would be like a really negative um torturous kind of thing for the characters but it turns out actually most of the social media was quite positive and there's a whole montage about people speaking up after connor or sorry after evan sort of makes this plea about being feeling alone there's this whole community that sort of comes online in the social media and says you know says i'm here thank you for passing on this message there's a whole kickstarter thing and so that was a surprise to me it also felt very of our time so it was very Mm. very modern um to have to have all that and it worked like it worked seamlessly seamlessly it just flowed really well in in and out of the, the 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 play 
Yeah, what I felt worked really well also about it was that it um, it raised the stakes really quickly um, and it felt natural to us in, in contemporary times, right? Like the, you know, the social media wave that Evan gets on, he, because everyone thinks that he was Connor's best friend and he's made this like sort of heartfelt speech, everyone jumps on and says, oh my gosh, this is like um, so inspirational and and Evan, you're, Evan, you're great. All the things that you're saying about Connor are, are wonderful um even though the crux of the thing is is that connor was a really troubled kid he was very mean to his sister he like and the the one story that all of them because they've sort of like grown up with connor is that they remember him throwing a printer at his teacher at in like in grade five or something like that so Connor had Connor had issues and stuff and they manifested in a really different way than Evan's isolation and Evan's feelings of depression because it's disclosed that he's on medications and stuff like that and his mom is struggling um and one of the major differences between connor and evan and their families um it comes out a little bit more as the show goes on is money um so how do you feel that that kind of played out in the different family dynamic i mean especially in the characters of the moms oh god my heart broke like my heart just broke for both these mothers because it's i so so connor's family did have money and the mom you know there's mention that like she tried buddhism she tried the secret she tried the blah 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 and it's like shit that white women with no jobs do or something like that there's always a gimmick or something yeah where it doesn't there's nothing like it sort of still ends up being empty and it doesn't work but there's money and then there's there's evan's mother who is a single mother and she was apparently working a bunch of jobs and trying to go to school and so she's never around and that's sort of a plot point that ends up happening and, and then at this super uncomfortable moment the Connors family offers Evan Evan's mother um, tuition money for Evan to go to college and it's just like you you understand why Connors family would want to do it because they can mm-hmm. but but her horror at being you know patronized like that is just also so real like it's mm-hmm yeah like i yeah like i don't know i i actually the 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 relationship between the parents and their children actually really touched me and Mm -hmm. and i could really feel as much as as much as this story was about the teenagers this Mm -hmm. story was super about the parents too yeah what uh, one of the musicals that this show reminded me of a little bit was next to normal it's kind of another show um like like a household musical about a family and mental illness because the mom's on these meds and all this stuff um you know and uh yeah, I, I think that the overall, you know, it was brilliantly done. Things sort of come to a head where Evan knows he can't continue lying or he feels so bad that the lie um, has gotten sort of out of hand because people start um, attacking Connor's family for maybe how they think Connor was treated during life or something like that. Um, Not to not to give it all away because you kind of you kind of know that it's all going to come crashing down. You know that this sort of it can't really last. Um, And the and the show really starts to um, uh, kind of reach a hilt where um, you know Evan realizes that he has been a terrible person the, to continue this lie even though he thinks that it is a comfort uh, to Connor's family in a lot of ways um, and it just 
and and he has this huge fight with his mother um and then when they reunite it's like oh my god it's the the most beautiful thing i have seen on stage like this is a show about like teen depression and isolation and suicide and i was like oh yeah that's sad and then the second last song it's called um so big so small and it's evan's mother saying to him like you know your dad left when he was when you were seven and i had this moment i realized i was never going to be enough to for you like i was never going to be able to do this properly and i like oh my god we ugly cried yeah ever <laughs> you know she, she's talking about these moments in the in your life when things feel so big and you can't handle them and they're so awful and also you know just like and then it, it, like and it's uh, jessica e sherman plays um evan's mother uh heidi hansen in in this show um and she was fantastic she really just stole the show and brought it home because it sort of reinforced that like no matter how awful you you have been or what you have done or how big and awful the world feels your mom still loves you <laughs> oh my god your mother is never getting in a truck and driving away i just oh and 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 connor's mother like the whole message throughout it is that this mother and there's this big um number right before the first inter- right before intermission where the the sister and sorry connor's sister and father and mother are all singing about letting him go and the father's like i'm not going to cry for you you were lost long ago and the sister's like you're an asshole i'm not going to cry for you and the mother changes her tone and says um i can't forget what she says but i'm i'm not going to cry for you because you did have these happy moments and it was all worth it and it just drives home this like juxtaposition between the mothers of these two boys yeah and and the rest of the world around them and i just that actually for me was the heartbreaking part of this show Mm -hmm. and um yeah i just and so yeah and the 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 four forever song obviously is Beautiful. Oh yeah, yeah, and as and when and when it re, and when it, when it refrains in the in the end, like it's just it is it is a nicely written musical. It has those big numbers. Remember last week when I was talking about you know just like freaking plant and sing. They did that. Oh my god, <laughs> did they ever? And the, and actually the set really facilitated that because mm-hmm. you had all these scrims up to facilitate the social media b- bits. But then when they needed to, they really could make a huge stage narrow down and focus on the one person that was standing and delivering and boy did they do that and yeah yeah and it like and it was kind of neat even uh, sort of hidden among the scrims in like the upper uh like on an upper level in the corner was the was the band the live band was right. playing i and i really liked how they kind of integrated that because at the very end when all the lights come up and they're in this sort of like beautiful memorial park you see the band and yeah. it's uh, it was just like a kind of like a nice reveal in that way too yeah. And it was neat to be watching a musical that's, it felt very modern. Like, like, um, I had a similar experience, like, when we went to see Rent in New York in the 90s. Mm. Like, you're sitting there and you're used to your musical, like, your typical musical kind of thing. And then you're sitting in a, in a in an experience where you're like, okay, it's a musical, but it's not like, ding, 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 went the trolley. You know, like, it's kind of a, it's a very new thing. And so for me, it, like, some of the songs were almost sounded like, almost like country ballads, because, you know, they get the guitar going. And and so it was neat in the sense that, for sure, it's a musical, but it it's it has a very modern bent to it. And even the way that the, the, the actors are singing, um, 
it's not a very it's not a classical mm-hmm. musical sti- musical theater style of singing mm-hmm. um and it, yeah i encourage anyone who just if you need a minute like go on youtube and google ben platt I, you will not be disappointed <laughs> yeah. Him, his re- his rendition of of um of uh of some of the west side story stuff is like like okay fine west side story yeah we've all heard it but until you hear ben platt do it I, like his own way it's really quite beautiful but anyway fangirl over um yeah so it was just neat to be see a very modern musical so well do you think that the kind of the way that this musical is set up um and things like uh, you know do you think that this musical has staying power like some of you know sort of our more classic musicals i guess like i mean rent is still running it's true <laughs> you know what i sat there and i had just because there's a there's a sister role that uh, Connor's sister that's in there. I just sat there going like, oh yeah, that's an audition song. Oh yeah, that's an audition song. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure every musical theater twenty year old musical theater nerd in that auditorium knew every word. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think it does, and I like because actually I think there isn't a ton of action. It's actually a lot more about the relationships between the characters. So actually, mm-hmm. and the music is quite like it's got its very own distinct style which is a bit more popish than maybe some musical theater but i absolutely think that there's there's heart to it there's actual like feeling into this musical i yeah i I would think it would last yeah Yeah, and without the you know without the support of the million dollar projections and things like that i mean if you can have if you have people who can sing you know it's not a huge cast like like ragtime or (laughs) or something you know like it's it's um yeah i think i i think it would be really cool to see like um and maybe i'm just kind of like thinking of how they did fun home here in edmonton um you know last season um you know those like big amazing new musicals that um that are kind of it's not a chamber musical because it's definitely more than like a handful of people but it's manageable for um you know like a smaller company and i think that they really draw audience um yeah and it could be done in a space that is not the jubilee and would be intimate and interesting and cool and and yeah so i mean i i it was I I honestly had no idea what the show was going to be like going into it. I had heard it. I had heard it won all the Tonys in 2017 um, or something like that. Um, and but and, and knew just like a little bit about the story. Um, but like, I you know, the songs are ringing in my head still today. So like it's it's I, I thought it was pretty cool. I quite enjoyed myself. Yeah. Also, ugly cry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, um, so that was Dear Evan Hansen. It's closing today as we release this podcast episode. So that's that. Um, but I also kind of felt that it was like it, interesting because it's the second play I saw in Edmonton within two weeks that was about um, a son and mother and themes of suicide. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Because John Elliott is still doing every brilliant thing at the Citadel, which is also a very brilliant show, which you should go see. (laughs) Um, Also, this week, I saw a show called Shakespeare's Dog um, by Rick Chafe or Chaff, something like that, um, at Studio Theater at the Tim Center. Tell me a bit about Studio Theater. So Studio Theater is the BFA, um, is the kind of um, presenting arm of the BFA program at the University of Alberta. Um, And so then, yeah, so the the companies that you see or the company that you see in Studio Theater is essentially the BFA uh, graduating class of that year. 
So earlier this season, Paul and I went to go see a show called Revolt, she said, Revolt Again. Um, and that was, uh, that was again, Studio Theater and this BFA um, year. Uh, and so then the next up in the season was Shakespeare Do- Shakespeare's Dog, which actually is a story about William, uh, like William Shakespeare's life from the perspective of his dog, um, which is, I think, kind of a fascinating um kind of a fascinating take on it uh, because and and they did they did do some really interesting play with um how dogs feel about people and how dogs physicalize their affection for people uh so i, th- I thought that that worked really well um yeah i mean it's, it, it is a two actor it was a little bit of a longer play really dense language like they i think they try and pull a lot of um sort of like nods to where shakespeare's language event ends up going like there's some reference is to tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and and, you know like and some other things and even just like very small lines like here's some pages for you um and you know that you kind of like if you've if you know some Shakespeare you've done some plays before you're like I've heard that I know that I've like so the language um really kind of uh was part of what I think they tried to make really Shakespearean about it was it iambic pentameter no 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 it was all in prose um and you know it really and so it really kind of cruxes around the main character of hooker who which is shakespeare's dog's name (laughs) (laughs) um and he he's played by Braden butler um and and uh this this performer had really good physicality i felt that um he really sort of like captured um kind of like the challenge of being like a two-footed four-footed creature Um, and, and yeah, kind of like very playful about it. Um, I, I think that there was a little bit of disconnect with the audience. Like I, I, I'm not sure that I felt really engaged, um, the entire way through. It did feel like the language, um, was a bit of a slog because it wasn't Shakespeare. It wasn't iambic pentameter, but it was still very, um, you know, of the style of that vocabulary. There were a lot of accents, um, and it just, it just felt like a kind of bog down the performances a little bit what happened in the show so in the show Shakespeare's dog is sort of like hanging out hookers hanging out in the town the there is a problem because it there they find out that a dog has been killing deer or um yeah and and that's bad they, they don't want the dogs to kill deer that's that's terrible except that that's kind of a dog's instinct dogs will try and protect their you know farm or whatever and they'll just go kill deer if they're weak so um it turns out that you know hooker is actually the culprit and other dogs keep getting maimed spoiler alert not really okay, just <laughs> um it comes out at least in the first act hooker kind of like fesses up oh. um so anyway, what the um, but but there's these hunters in the town um, who are start to hunt the dogs because they think the dogs are the like all the dogs are the problem when it's really just Hooker that's the problem, <laughs> which is kind of and I was trying to think I'm like is this a metaphor for how Shakespeare is like you know, yeah, so emblematic and so just kind of like. Uh, in, in in our culture, he's just sort of like the one thing that like people, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I don't know what I'm saying there. But anyway, it just, it, 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 it felt 
it felt a little long and it did feel like there wasn't there wasn't enough play like i a lot there were a lot of jokes that just didn't land um and you know and you know like shakespeare i mean it's a play about dogs and (laughs) like i feel like it was supposed there was supposed to be some um fun and stuff in it but it really is about how um anne hathaway is miserable because will shakespeare is a jerk um and will only wants to go to london and be selfish and be an actor he doesn't for for clarification anne hathaway was the name of shakespeare's wife um not just the actress that we all know of as anne hathaway yes good clarification thank you for (laughs) mentioning that um but i like i I actually do want to point out um anne hathaway uh was played by beverly rockwell and i i really liked her performance because she and hooker ended up having some quite tender moments which i thought was kind of nice um i thought she that she had she sort of had she had a really good grasp of it because all she was doing was really being mad at will shakespeare all the time um and you know and then has like a quiet moment in the garden drinking by herself <laughs> uh, sounds vaguely familiar occasionally <laughs> just be like i know what that feels like anyway <laughs> um yeah so that was shakespeare's dog um you know like it's kind of interesting to go and watch the studio theater shows because you see the young company um you know like performing through a season and then usually in the next season you see a lot of them start popping up in the professional productions that are around town so it's kind of nice to see like the trajectory of um artists and how they uh and how and how their um journey progresses and that Excellent. So any any lasting impressions about costumes or sets or one thing I thought about the costumes was that there were two girl dogs that were dressed a little bit um they were wearing they were covered much less than everyone else in the show and I thought that that was a little bit hmm. I was like dogs really? dogs are generally naked fine but why are only the girl dogs half naked? Oh, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> anyway, I guess so. Um, so, well, yeah, thank you for indulging me on that. And thank you for coming to Dear Evan Hansen. Thank you for having me. All right. And well, with that, we're going to go to an ad. For forever. This episode of I Don't Get It is brought to you by That's Food, a new podcast from CJSR, Edmonton's campus and community radio station. Here's a taste. What? You never heard of That's Food? <laughs> You know it's a good podcast, right? That's Food is a new podcast from CGSR, Edmonton's campus and community radio station. Handmade with love by University of Alberta students. Telling the backstory to food in Edmonton, one meal at a time. I come from a big bread family, so like toast on toast on toast, probably with maybe a different item you can toast. There's lots out there that's happening in Edmonton. I mean, we are not a sleepy city like most people think. I mean, we have stuff going on all the time, which is exciting, right? That's so tough. It's hard to pick. Pick just one flavor. But you can always pick birthday cake. But you can always pick. You can always pick birthday cake mm-hmm. on your birthday. On your birthday. Yeah. This podcast explores a wide range of topics on food, ranging from interviews with influential food people to a deep dive into classic Edmonton meals. We'll be coming out with seven episodes. But who's this podcast for? People who are interested in stories of Edmonton, or food in Edmonton, or both. Especially broad uni students who go to events for food. Basically every day, bruh. It's every day, bro. You can find us at That's Food on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or wherever you've downloaded podcasts. And on our website, thatsfood.transistor.fm. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at That's Food CGSR. New episodes drop weekly starting February 10th. But is it food? That's food. 
All right. And so next up, um, our other friend, Laura Rabu, joined us to review Epilogos, which was uh, Shea Kubler radical system art being presented by the Brian Webb Dance Company. And we will, and yeah, uh, we had a pretty good time at it. And we'll throw to that right now. Well, hello, Laura. Hello, Fonda. How are how how is your evening? Well, we spent it together. It was great. <laughs> Valentine's. Valentine's with my friend. Yeah. It's it's really Galentine's. The, the 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 day is now Galentine's. I think we've we've defined that. I was so say uh, friend and times, and that's not as good as Galentine's. No, Galentine's actually <laughs> is just like rhymes with it. <laughs> Anyhow, well, what did we see, Laura? We saw Epilogos uh, at Brian Webb Dance Company um, with, with all the things Shay Kubler. It was artistic director, composer, and performer Shay Kubler with the cast, uh, Aiden Cast, Tia Kushneruk, Isaac Inquest, Katie Lowen, Odile Am- Amelie Peters, and Calder White. Ooh, you got them all. It was kind of cool. Um, so Shay Kubler's company, he's a Sherwood Park uh, boy. Um, and uh, so it's interesting to see him on the main stage in Brian Webb's company or in Brian Webb's season. Um, I was also really stoked to see Tia Kushnerik back. Um, she, I remember seeing her doing a lot of the toy guns dance theater stuff um, that was, you know, happening kind of around, you know, 20... 2015 or so 20 was she a dancer in that as well yeah yeah at least that's where i recognize her from in any case um also uh epilogos so that's the name of this piece um what uh set us up a little bit what what happens in in this show well i um okay i think the show is a lot about well brian webb started with saying it's like individualism and that word really stuck with me uh i think it's a lot about individualism and group dynamic i i was seeing a lot of like the struggle of someone trying to fit in the group and then some really beautiful group things and then uh, there's just this solo entity and then there's this group and they never seem to really mesh into one whole cohesive unit for the whole show which Mm. i thought was kind of interesting yeah i mean the the company is super dynamic so there's um shea kubler as well as six dancers Mm -hmm. um and kubler is playing sort of this main solo individual character um, he's he's got like a fairly um, uh, distinct body type compared to the other performers. Like you know, like the, the other performers, I found they were all actually like really tall and, and long. Um, and Kubler's Kubler's body type is a little more compact and. Um, and I thought that what was kind of interesting is that, yeah, so he emerges not only through a um, little bit of, like, theatricality and thing, and costume and as, as this individual, um, but also he's completely separate from the rest of the group the entire show. Um, you know, he has his own, he has his own parts and everything like that. And there's, and there's some good play starting off the show with um, a, a small, a small cup of water that gets dumped on him in the back. And then you see the water come back. Back at the end, um, in a much stronger way, collective way. Um, 
But what I thought was kind of cool was, you know, just noticing things about the movement, the movement quality. I guess there was a lot of uh, really sort of like b-boy style. Like there was kind of like a hip hop um, and pop lock aesthetic to to a lot of the movement. And then just like some very big jumps and rolls. And um, and and that was cool to see. Like it was it was a fairly um, it was really physically dynamic company. Yeah, I was seeing a lot of capoeira and like martial arts Mm -hmm. like a lot of like you know like that I don't know what it's called but that like primitive man (laughs) movement (laughs) that you see with like yoga sometimes where like you go back to like basics where you're on your hands and like Mm -hmm. it was very like low down grounded uh, movement it wasn't I wouldn't call it like graceful or like lyrical or elegant it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't pretty Um, and and though there were female dancers in the in the cast um, it seemed very genderless other than the costuming that um, Kubler's character was really given. Yeah, I thought so. And I thought that all the characters were sort of like, I thought it was sometimes I was like, is this an ad for the army? Because <laughs> we were like all united against like a common outside force like the whole time. And it seemed like they were like continuously struggling and fighting against something and they were engaged in some kind of like mission or something. That's how I was sort of. Yeah, into- well, and they're wearing and they're wearing like khakis and beaters. <laughs> So it kind of seems like, you know, they're like out in the barracks or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, so the the first, the, I'd say the first third or maybe half of the show featured, like there, there, was, um, there was a backdrop the entire time that was yeah. lit with kind of like individual little LED lights. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like a, scre- a digital screen, it didn't seem like, but there were, you know, just all these little lights that would animate uh, into different shapes and things. And sometimes they would spell out words. Um, um, which I felt was a little obvious. I don't, I don't know. Like there were, well, and they were, the words were all virtues. They were things like compassion and truth and honor, which I felt should have just been like ego. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like going across the screen. Yeah. That's, maybe that's where the army ad kind of came into. Mm-hmm. Or the, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was, I, yeah, the piece could have benefited, I think, from, I always think someone should always have an outside eye besides their own eye just in terms of like dramaturg and shape and like uh, arc of the piece I think I loved the, as much as I loved the movement I thought it was really dynamic and strong and it was very fast like they kind of never they didn't really dwell on one image or scene or, or thing long enough really for you to get bored of it um, or, so so it was kind of co- like constantly like, like relentless and pushing um, pushing forward um, but one one thing that I do I, I did kind of think while I was watching is just I was like I was like why do I care about this character though like yeah. what is what is the yeah is is this like uh you know sort of an epitome of one of these values or virtues that they've been projecting or um is it someone who's trying to encompass all those things and is maybe not succeeding like it, I, it was um I was a little bit I was a little bit lost I didn't know in in some ways I feel the music in a show will often cue how you should feel about it even if the music doesn't uh, or even if the movement doesn't I'm sorry um and I don't like I was just like I'm like how am I supposed to feel about this or am I just supposed to be impressed that it's like virtuosic 
I think it was about virtuosic in a way. Yeah, I think that's what it was about. And But I think if you're looking at like the pure art of the piece, I think the strength of the piece was really in the ensemble work. Like, mm. like just like, there's that beautiful piece about compassion where they were catching each other in this like domino effect, mm-hmm. like over and over again. Like to me, that's where like the heart of the beauty of the piece was. And having the artist who had made everything trying to weave their way through the show, I think it was diluting the message. I think we had two shows here. I think, mm-hmm. and I would have picked the one about the group if if that was the one that I would think would be the stronger mm-hmm. show for right now in this time and place in this world. Yeah, and for, and for me, when, like, I mean, you know, I feel like I've been really fortunate to see a lot of, like, these amazing dance companies, small companies with, like, six to ten people in them where each dancer is so freaking strong and such a character. I felt like I wanted to see more of their characters in those ensemble moments. Um, and that wasn't... Uh, it didn't feel like the priority in the show, um, and you know there were there were other things about the movement too that I really liked as they were all moving as a whole. Um, the the kind of play that they would do between lines, um, you know, like half a line would skip ahead, and then the other half the line would be attached to them and pull them right back, um, and they would kind of like um, zigzag and weave like that across the stage. I thought those those moments where you're playing with that like weight. And momentum were very like you you felt that in your body as you were watching it almost um and then there were also moments I felt where they were kind of like all like starting from a really low position and they would all kind of like start individual movements to flock to standing and to the other side of the stage, which I and so and those it was those moments where they would sort of like an individual little spark would kind of come out and you'd see this like pop of movement uh, that I like I thought, oh, wow. Yes. Yes. You know, I see that dancer now. Um, I, I think one of the one of the things about shows like this where there you have a really heavy sort of um like technical or proje- projection design um I also just like I'm constantly just kind of like light the dancers. I want to see the dancers. <laughs> I know sometimes you get a little bit like too many toys and like it's all about the toys and it's not about like the the, the movement in a way. And I felt like it was a little bit like that. Like it was a little tech heavy sometimes. Like plus just technically LEDs hurt my friggin' eyes for that long. <laughs> I'm old. I, I know. I know. I'm so old. Like you're sitting in the dark. You're sitting in the dark for a really long time and then they start like flashing strobe being bright lights and I'm like oh god my eyes are watering I'm like so freaking old right now I, know, I was like putting my program in front of my eyes to shield my eyes then I was like then what is the point of sitting here <laughs> Yeah. But but I mean I like overall like um like a really interesting company to watch. I'm gonna like I would say that like I don't you don't actually often see stuff like this in Brian Webb season. I felt that this was quite a bit of a departure. Um and you know different and it's really cool that, you know, um Kubler as a Sherwood Park um hometown kid has has come back and has his own company and is doing cool things. I think I do think that there is um like it'll it'll be really interesting to see this artist grow um, because there's 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 like like chops there yeah and there was a cohesiveness I mean there is something to having a really strong leader even though it got in the way of some of the stuff I think also there was this cohesiveness between the music and the movement and uh, the images that was very beautiful at times as well and and everything worked really well together yeah yeah and I think I mean I think that they were kind of getting there with the narrative that they that 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 was 
in the show, but I feel that um, with some uh, revision and um, and, and uh, maturity, like it will it will come into its own really for like that this style. I can see this style of work really growing um, and and developing a, a good audience because the house was nice and full today. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was very great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the one leader and a group, which really did did distract me the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then, you know what? Kubler owned it though. Like he has like, like he has a really good movement style, um, and uh, and like very talented. Brian Webb also mentioned right before the show began that um, Kubler's mom is one of the like like owns a dance studio in Sherwood Park, and it's yeah. like the largest dance studio in the greater Edmonton metro area. So well, there we go. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah I thought it was a neat. Uh, I need to see him like continuing that on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, well, so that was Epilogos, Shea, Kubler, Rada- Shea Kubler's Radical System Art as part of the Brian Webb Dance Company season. Um, yeah, well, thanks so much for joining me, Laura, on Galentine's Day. Anytime, friend and time. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> This episode of I Don't Get It is brought to you by Skirts of Fire, a festival that features the work of women in the arts. This year's festival is bigger than ever before. Among the highlights are shows at the ATB Arts Barns, the Station on Jasper, and the Nook Cafe, plus music, dance, drumming, and performance art all along Alberta Avenue. Plus, our friends at Skirts of Fire are offering $5 off tickets to their main stage show, The Blue Hour. I Don't Get It listeners can purchase tickets via the Fringe Theatre box office and use the code PANEL5 at checkout. We'll include the info for this in our show notes. Skirts of Fire takes place from February 27th to March 8th. Get your tickets today at skirtsoffire.com. All right. Thank you again to Laura and Colleen for um, stepping in and helping out on the review front. It's always great to have you ladies there with me. Uh, the Invisible Agents of Ungentlemanly Warfare is still running at the Citadel. That's a Catalyst Theatre production until February 23rd. Noises Off is well into its run at Mayfield Dinner Theatre. That's going until March 29th. And please do your best to catch every brilliant thing at the Citadel Theater that runs until February 23rd. It's one of, it is a very, very cool theater experience. Um, I'll leave it at that. As You Like It also starts up at the Citadel on um, February 15th. Uh, so it's in preview now and it'll run all the way till March 15th. Alberta Ballet's Unleashed is next weekend. That's at the Jubilee on February 21st and 22nd. Uh, and Skirts of Fire, as previously mentioned, um, runs starts February 27th and runs to March 8th. So um, that's kind of, that's what we've got coming up here, folks. Um, I hope you're all doing well and staying warm and having a wonderful valentine's day um yeah go see some shows bye i don't get it is a member of the alberta podcast network powered by atb you can subscribe to us on apple podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the ckua radio app i don't get it is recorded on treaty six territory in edmonton alberta in the edmonton community foundation's podcast studio our theme music is mountain time by ghibli and you can find more of ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com i don't get it is produced by andrew paul fonda mithrush and paul blenov 